our marriages. And Father, please help us to have the, the talks with our wives that would encourage them and, and just to share the things that we want to grow in. Father, to have faith that you will give us the strength to grow in those areas. And Father, thank you so much for Jesus and how I pray, Father, that our marriages would be a light to this world of how much he loves the church. And uh, Father, just uh, I want to thank you for this group and the warm reception that I have received, the encouragement that I have gotten. And I just pray you'd be with us right now as we study your word, Father. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, let's turn to Second Peter chapter 1. I want to just say uh, thank you again. It's really uh, very special to be here. And I really, today we're looking at some of the deeper things that are behind the scenes issues in our marriages. Uh, certainly there are many, uh, I'm not against nuts and bolts classes. I think that's very important. But I think if we get certain attitudes on correctly, then, then the nuts and bolts flow much more naturally. So what we're going to talk about now for the next 30 minutes is forgiveness and reconciliation. Um, and as I said earlier, I, I think that marriage is a training center to become more like Jesus. And I think if we would view marriage like, I'm not saying that it's all it is, but I, I think that is God's, uh, one of his greatest purposes for marriages it is for us to become more like Jesus, and, and nothing is more like Jesus than forgiveness. And no place affords more of an opportunity to have to forgive and to have to learn how to forgive than our marriages. Uh, and, and if we don't get this right, we will not be able to love our wives. If, if things have built up, if we're resentful towards them, um, if we are jealous of them, if we don't feel like they are, and we don't deal with, with that, uh, that, that we're not going to be able to love them. We, we may do a few odds and ends, but, but it won't come out right. And, and so I want to talk about forgiveness and reconciliation. The first thing I wanted to say is that lack of forgiveness comes when we don't understand God's grace and how he has forgiven us in our lives. You know, 1 John 4, verse 19 says, We love because he first loved us. And I guess the, the thing I'd like to, us to think about just for a couple of minutes here, are we secure with God? Because when you're secure with God and, and you really have a mentality of God has an eternal home created for me and God loves me and, and then you're not under this uh, unhealthy pressure to grab stuff here on this earth, you're free to serve and to love other people, and particularly your wives. I was thinking about a good friend of mine is actually uh, dying in the next couple of days. Uh, a, a, a couple, that uh, dear friends of ours for years in, in South Florida. Uh, they've been in the church for 35 years, uh, and uh, they're just a special couple, and the wife is 56 years old and has cancer. And she's on the last few days, she's in hospice and, you know, having to basically just manage her pain at this point and is on the last few days of her life. And I was thinking about just them in the context of being at a marriage retreat and how I'm sure they would love to be able, they wouldn't even be able to come to an event like this. And, and, and I was just thinking about how really what, what is important in life is being forgiven by God. You know, when the plane was going down, over the Hudson River, you know, a couple of years ago. 
And they thought, you know, they were able to make a safe landing. And what was unusual about that plane crash was that people survived. In most, many plane crashes, people do not survive. They don't live to tell about the emotional moments when a plane's going down. What, one of those common things that was said on that plane as it was going down and people thought they were going to die, people were saying, God, forgive me. That's what people were saying. And, and I think about my life, and I think about the things that I get consumed with and worried about and, uh, you know, concerned about what people think about me, concerned about being successful in my job, even as a minister. Yes, ministers want to be successful, concerned about, you know, being able to provide for my family and all, all the things that I can, that are somewhat legitimate concerns, but really all that matters is being forgiven. And the Bible says in order to be forgiven, which is our greatest need, that is our greatest need. We have to forgive. Like God freely forgives, you know, those who come to him. But we are called to forgive. And, and, and if you're like me, man, you, you really can, can struggle with that sometimes because I'm a very sensitive person. I mean that in a, the bad kind of the way. I guess there's a good side to that too. But I, I, I feel when people mistreat me, and, and, and I can ruminate on that, those mistreatments. And, and in the context of my, my, my marriage, uh, if Barbara does not respect me or Barbara, you know, we have a lot of tension and she is, in my mind, creating tension, I can become resentful of that. And then I, how can I love her if that is a predominant thought in my mind? And so that's why this is so important. But, but really, what, to forgive and to be reconciled with our wives uh, to where, you, you know, th this is such an important concept. I wanted to read in 2 Peter 1 in verse 5, where it says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fail, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The first thing I wanted to just put before us today, are we men that are secure with God? And we are confident of our salvation, of our forgiveness. And, and, and if we're not, in the context of marriage, that means it's going to be harder to love and forgive our wives the way we, sh we should because we're not going to be at peace. We're, we're going to be focused on ourselves because we're not created to be that way. But I, but I want to give us the encouragement. The Bible gives us the way that we can become like that. It says, you make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And I can't think of a greater way to add to our faith goodness than to decide to treat our wives the way we've been describing today. I mean, I, I just want to say we should, at some point over this weekend, we should sit down with them and we should say, okay, I want you to tell me what you, what the areas you think I can grow in. And maybe you already know areas you want to ask forgiveness for. Maybe, maybe what, what, what are we going to do? That, that, 
That's what I want to know with this retreat. With you know, you, you spent money to come here. This is a wonderful opportunity to to really make changes. And you, you know, the the Bible says here, you make every effort to add to your faith goodness. You're just doing what is right. You know, we've got faith. We but faith can't. We're saved by faith alone, but faith is never alone. So we've got to add to our faith goodness, goodness, knowledge, knowledge, self-control, all of these characteristics. We're supposed to be growing spiritually is the idea that I'm trying to communicate here. And, and there's no way, as we said, to put these principles into practice if we're not filled with the Spirit. Yeah, that's Ephesians 5, verse 18 again. Be filled with the Spirit. And I, I, I believe we tend to have a forgiveness limit in our marriages. Kind of reminds me of Peter in Matthew 18 when he asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? And he said, up to seven times. He was answering his own question, thinking that's a pretty good number. And Jesus said, I'll tell you not seven, but 77 times whatever. You know, an unlimited number. And if we're going to have great marriages, we have to be great forgivers. We have to lead the way in that. I can't think of a better way to love than to forgive somebody and to overlook their offenses and their faults as Jesus does ours, if we're called to love our wives as Jesus loved the church, what is the main thing Jesus has done for the church? He's forgiven it. And there's no way we're going to be able to do this unless we indeed uh, become people that forgive. We can't reach a point in our marriages where we say, that's it, uh, I've had enough. Uh, those are words God never wants to hear, or I'm going to stay in this marriage because I know divorce is wrong, but I am not. I'm going to hold on to these wrongs, and there's just going to be... Uh, so, so many marriages, they have a coldness to them, e even in the church. You know, they, they, they exist together, and, and they wouldn't get divorced, but there's a cold, there's not a warmth. There, 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 there's not an excitement. There, there's not a dynamism. There's not a growth. In, and I think a lot of that is because a, of a lack of forgiveness. So how are we going to learn to be forgiving people, but particularly in the context of our marriages, well, I would say, number one, we have to forgive the little things. We have to forgive the little things. You know, I won't take the time to turn there, but Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 15 says, in the context of marriage, says you have to catch the little foxes because they will ruin the vineyard. And, you know, I, I, I think so many times we, in, in our marriages, if we don't deal with the little issues that come up, then things accumulate. And before you know it, it's a big thing, and there's a wall between us and our wives. I, I know for in, in my marriage with, with Barbara, I shared some of this, the challenges we've had, but we had you know, many health issues, challenges with our kids. I had cancer a few years ago. That, that was a big uh, deal. I'm not saying that was a little fox, but... Uh, you know, our parents have had health issues. My father passed away last year. Barbara's father is, is very ill. Um, you know, we, we've had the moves. For me, I know one of the things, church problems. As a leader of a church, I can become consumed with church problems. And if something's not going well, and I, and I bring that home, and, and, I, and I, I just, I don't, just those little things that come in, financial pressure, uh, uh, parenting styles that are different. And Barbara and I will sometimes argue about these things and have a difference of opinion about these things. 
And if I get uh, upset about that and, and, and am not patient and forgiving with her, a, a wall begins to come between us. And she, because she, and she can get mad at me because I'm so worried about the church. And she says, why aren't you as worried about the kids as you are about the church? And I look at her and say, well, uh, why are you so worried about the kids? But look at the church. And so I have a tendency to worry about the church. She has a tendency to worry about the kids. And, and we can come at each other. And if we don't have a spirit of kindness and we don't have a spirit of forgiveness, a wall can come up between us. You know, uh, Every marriage has the irritating habits. And I know these are the little things that can, we've got to learn to overlook and not let them steal the love from our marriage. You know, Barbara, I irritate Barbara because sometimes I don't speak proper English. She went to Yale, Harvard. I went to a university called Clemson University. It's a state university. You know, it, it's fine, uh, but I, I, I don't have her level of, in any language. I mean, I do speak three languages, but none of them that well, really. You know, and I just communicate, but getting the verbs right, and it just, it, it can irritate her. I'm just telling you the ways I irritate her. Uh, I... I'm, I'm pretty insensitive. You know, recently we were in, not this hotel, but we were in another hotel, and I used all the top drawers, you know. And it sounds like a little thing, but she said, why, you're making me, like, bend down, get down, you know. I, I said, and my thought process, well, I'm taller than you are, you know. And, but that didn't really do it for her. Uh, you know, I'm kind of strange as a man, at least most of the men I know, and I like things really clean in our house. I know, that's weird. I know. You're weird too, though, okay? You know, let me just lay that out, you know. You're weird in a different kind of way than I am. But I, I like things really neat. I'm the kind of kid I used to tell my mom, you need to clean the house better. You know, I just, I, I was, uh, seriously, I did, I did that. Um, and I, I am impatient. Uh, I, I used to tell people, we live in Sao Paulo, Brazil, the traffic was so bad. I say, if I ever fall away, it will be at a red light. I promise you. <laughs> I will fall away. I will be on the hood of my car, and that'll be it. When you see me up there screaming, you know, that's it. Uh, I am impatient. I hate lines. I mean, I, I'm just wired really tight sometimes. I, I do have this relaxed side that Barbara... She's trying to bring out, you know, and she even held me up before all, the whole group today. But, you know, I snore, you know. Uh, I used to not, and I've never heard myself snore. But uh, <laughs> Barbara tells me I do, and I said, well, where are the witnesses, you know? And, uh, and what, what I'm saying is, and I, you know, the list goes on, you know. There's so many things that she has to overlook and, and forgive and these are the little things, but I think these things added up. They really, and I want to encourage us as men, you know, when, when our wives, whatever their issues are, remember we have them too and really have a spirit of forgiving and being gracious. Um, because what happens, the, the invisible walls get put up because of these little things. And added together, they become big. And... 
We overlook all these things when we're first married because we're so enthralled with, you know, our, our new bride and, and the physical part of the relationship and the, the eros love that's very strong in those first two years that we, we overlook all that. But after two years, the, the eros stuff doesn't help you overlook it. You got to go into the God stuff. It's like God gives us two years. Okay, I'll give you a bye. I'm going to give you, you're going to be so sexually active that you're not even going to notice her bad habits. But then after that, it's kind of like, okay, but then you're going to have to be like Jesus. And, and see, so forgiveness needs to be a lifestyle. You know, Romans 12, verse 8, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Colossians 3, verse 13, bear with one another. Forgive whatever grievances you have with one another. Uh, our behavior can never be determined by how other people treat us. It can never be. I mean, I, I was thinking about this. You know, First Peter talks about this. I won't take the, we don't have the time to go into it, but you know, it talks about how slaves are supposed to be submissive and forgiving towards their masters. That's, that's crazy. It talks about Sarah and how she was supposed to be uh, this way towards, submissive towards Abraham. You know what Abraham did to Sarah? He tried to give her away two times. He was trying to get her to lie because I might get killed. Tell him you're my cousin or my sister. You, you would think that would be, you know, like grounds for unforgiveness. Or, or, you know, we have a group in our church called Sarah's Daughters, and they're the women whose husbands aren't disciples. And I appreciate the sisters that had that up because they lived with men who were not disciples for many years, and then their husbands became disciples. And they encourage these women who have husbands that aren't even trying to obey God, you need to win them over without talk by your behavior. And if those women can do that and live with some of these guys, I know some of these guys. You know, I think we who have wives that, you know, for the most part, they love God. They want to do what's right. So forgiveness, we just need to be postured to forgive, not postured to criticize, not postured to get angry, not postured to tear down, not, not postured to look at what's not right with our life. I, I like the phrase somebody said that always have this phrase in, uh, on the tip of your tongue, it could be worse. You know, when you go out to get in your car in the morning and you're getting in a you know, a 2001 prism. That's what I have. It's one of our cars. And, and you're like, yeah, instead of saying, man, this is, I mean, I have a hard time getting in that car. <laughs> and I'm tempted to complain. About, but then I got to realize, you know, only 15% of the world even has public transportation. And, and so I need to say, it could be worse. You know, when, when, I, when, I, when my house isn't the way it needs to be, and I realize so many people don't have homes, don't have a place, I need, it could be worse. 
And I like to, I, I don't want to tell this to the guys, but, you know, I tell the women, when you wake up and look at your husband, you know, it, uh, <laughs> hopefully they don't say it, but <laughs> you know, they look at us and say, it could be, they think it could be worse. But just kind of having that it could be worse philosophy instead of it's got to be better. And I think sometimes we have that in our demands as men. You know, we're always looking at what's not right in our kingdom. And we, we want it to change. And, and so we have to, you know, over time, if, if we let these things get to, we develop this habit, and I see this in myself, this habit of criticizing little things, and it creates this atmosphere and this tension in, in the house that, that is not healthy. And, and, and so what, what, I, what I see happens, men start pouring themselves into their work because, as Barbara said, they get more positive reinforcement there. Women start pouring themselves into their children, some into their careers, uh, some into hobbies if they have the free time to do that. But they're not, we're not pouring ourselves into each other as God intended. And it's because these little foxes have built up. And so I just, I just ask us, are we forgiving men? And if we're not, I just would encourage us to think, is it because perhaps we're not focused on how much we have been forgiven and how much God has done for us? You know, so, you know, we, 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 can't, we got to learn to forgive in the little things. Uh, Number two, we have, to, we have to take captive every thought. I know this is a well-known verse in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, but, but what I see is Satan wants a beachhead to work from in our minds. And many times Satan's beginning beachhead to work from is our lack of forgiveness. I tell you, the last eight years in our fellowship, in our churches, I, I've never seen, and, and I, I, I know this was always there, but uh, I, I've never seen so many, I've never had so many friends leave the Lord over, this is the number one problem we have, lack of forgiveness. I mean, basically, people are trying to do the right thing now, people are trying, but some people, that's not, it doesn't satisfy them. It's like, no, you did the wrong thing 12 years ago. It doesn't matter that you're repenting and doing the right thing now. You did the wrong thing, and you don't know how much that... And it, just, it destroys people. And throughout churches, this is the number one problem. This lack of forgiveness. It keeps us from being unified. It keeps us from really having that warmth, and, and certainly in, in marriages as well. And I, I know for me... Uh, it, it is hard for me uh, when, when, when I have relationship problems with people in the church. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm diverting a little bit from our central theme, but I, I'm just sharing a personal struggle because it does affect my marriage. When, when somebody hurts me, and, and I just think about that. And I know for me, if I don't pray about this in a deep way, I'm a difficult person to live with. And so I guess what I'm, what I'm really saying, if we're going to forgive and be reconciled with our wives and love them and Christ loved the church, we have to really be strong spiritually. 
I, I guess that's really what I'm asking all of today, but particularly right now as we're with the men. Are, are we men, are we men that are adding to our faith goodness and the goodness knowledge and knowledge self-control and self-control perseverance and perseverance brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness love? Is that just adding? Is that, we're just going for it. I mean, we're, we're really men that aren't the same. We, we are going for it spiritually in our Bible study, in our prayer, in our willingness to humble ourselves and ask forgiveness. I mean, I know in our house something I know that I've got to grow in. Barbara and I were talking about this over the last few days. She, as uh, I think you asked this question, today, she is the one that will first say, I'm sorry. She'll say it quicker than I will. And, and I know that I need to, to grow in that. And are, are we aware that we are in a constant state of war? And one of the main areas that Satan attacks is our marriage. Perhaps that's the first place he attacks. The first place. Because if he can get that, look at what he gets. The kids, the church, the church has no foundation without strong marriages. I'm a big fan of youth ministry, campus ministry, singles ministry, teen ministry. I'm a, I'm a big fan of all of that. And I, I, I'm an advocate for those ministries. And yet I realize if the marriages aren't strong in the church, it'll all fall apart. You cannot build a church. Because, see, that's the way the first thing God built was a marriage. He didn't start with a campus ministry. He didn't say, let there be campus ministries, and then we'll, you know, we'll go on from, from there. You can't fix the church through that. You have, what you guys are doing here, I appreciate it. It is so important. Uh, but we, we are at war, and if we don't forgive, Satan will take over our lives completely. And, you know, I, I just, unforgiveness is just incompatible with being a Christian. Uh, Hebrews 12, verse 15, see to it that no bitter root grows up. You know, Jesus said, I will not forgive you if you don't forgive. And he has a whole parable in Matthew 18 and where somebody's punished and thrown outside, where there's bitterness, uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he says, this is how God will treat us if we don't forgive. We should be terrified of a lack of forgiveness. And I know this is a marriage retreat, but I, I'm just saying, your marriage, it's where it starts. And that, that's why we chose to talk about this. Um, Bible says in Ephesians 4, verses 31 and 32, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I mean, if we just took these words to heart, and really kept them before us. And we, just, we got rid of all bitterness and rage and, and anger. And, and, you know, the Bible wouldn't say to get rid of it if it weren't possible. It, it, wouldn't, it, it wouldn't say that. And, and, and if we were kind and compassionate, you, you know, this is, this is how to be a good husband, right? That verse I just read, this is kind and compassionate. To your wife, forgiving her, just as in Christ God forgave you. 
But how, how are the conversations in our home? We need to ask ourselves these tough questions. I have been very convicted as we have been, you know, as I shared earlier, invited to do, speak at three marriage retreats this fall, which has been, that's an unusual schedule for us. And, but I took it from, as God wanted us to, to work on this. And I've been very convicted just to consider the way that, uh, that I can lose my patience with my wife. And, and she's very gracious with me. And she's a strong woman, so I think, uh, I think some women couldn't take what she has had to take from me, to be honest. Uh, how I can be critical. I mean, I've, I've, I've just really come more face-to-face with sort of the monster in me. And, and, and I've been very encouraged by how the Scriptures are telling me that my marriage, and if I just focus on working on that, that's going to do... I've even noticed sometimes when I get anxious about things, I, I, about separate things outside of my marriage, I've noticed that a, a relationship between how I'm treating Barbara and if I'm being kind with her, it's like other areas go well. I've experienced this. I mean, I've observed this spiritual uh, uh, aura going on. And, I, you know, you, you can say, well, I need to work this out with this brother. Well, no, just be kind to your wife. I need to read ten books to figure this problem out. No, just be, be kind to your wife. Oh, I, I, and I, I believe it's that powerful. And I, I can't uh, stress enough, just as, as, as we close this class, I just want to say our job in Christ is to forgive. That's our main job. It's the most Christ-like thing we do. And, and if you're having to forgive somebody, or particularly your wife, suffering to forgive will make you more like Jesus. And that's, that's helped me, not just with my wife, but in other situations to think, oh, this is hard. I wish I just never had to see this brother again. But... How about looking at it like in embracing this difficulty is going to make me more like Jesus and help me grow? You know, I think of Philippians 3, verse 10, the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. I think sometimes we need to make a covenant to pray when we're having a difficult time forgiving somebody or our wives. When you say, I'm going to pray about this seven days. I'm really going to beg God for this. I'm going to be focused on this. And, you know, forgiveness is empowering. It's, it's the opposite of being a doormat. Uh, it, it really, if you don't forgive people, they control you. And if you are dependent, uh, I, I'm, I've, I've, been, I've read this book actually a couple of times called When People Are Big and God is Small. It's a really good book and by a man named Edward Welch. And it talks about how, how we need people too much and we love them too little. And so the premise of the book is need people less, love them more. And I want to be at a place in my relationship with God where I'm not dependent on my wife treating me a certain way for me to love her. I don't want to be dependent on, you know, as a minister, you're public, and sometimes people criticize. what I don't want to be dependent on what people are thinking of me. 
That's a horrible way. I don't want to be responsive to people's issues. I, I want to be a, a, a man that's that close to God. And there's no area where we need this as we need this in our, rela- in our relationships uh, as with, with our wives. Um, there, there actually is a lot more I could say, uh, but I'm, I'm not going to say it. I think, you've, I think you've heard a lot today. <laughs> and I, I do want to encourage you at some point over this weekend, as I said earlier, to, to sit down with your wives uh, sooner rather than later and, and really... Just ask them, what do you think about this? What, what areas can I love you? How can I love you better? I think you, if you do that one little exercise, I think it's going to do a world of good for your whole life, not just your marriage. For the whole church, not just your marriage. For, for, for the campus ministry, they're not even here, but it'll affect them. You know, when I started studying the Bible, I was 20, uh, actually I was 20 years old. I got baptized when I was 21. And the couple that's, the guy that studied with me, his name's Keith Mangrum, he, uh, he was a graduate student at Clemson University, and he invited me to his house. He was a graduate student, and he was married. And my grandparents were divorced. My parents were divorced. My uncle was divorced three times. I mean, I come from a tradition of marriages not working. And I went to their house. And, you know, I was, I was impressed with the church, but when I went to their house and I saw their marriage, it was like worth 10 studies to me. Just to see how he was treating her and she was treating him. And I was like, there's hope. And so that, that's what I'm talking about. And, but for that to occur over the years with the pressures and the difficulties, we're going to have to be experts at forgiving and getting reconciled and, and having uh, the perception, just like we did when we dated our wives and when we were young marrieds. And we don't have that. It's because we're, we're not good at this. May, may we be men that that forgive and that get reconciled and cherish the wife that God has given us. Amen.